that you guys have a guy who's named after a seven foot four inch center <laughs> writing about a writing about six foot four inch and under guards. It's because I well, drive the fully loaded Lexus, of course. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right, let's talk let's talk about this video. This video is awesome. Um it's probably the best video ever. Yes, it is. Uh Blackheart Gold Podcast episode ninety six uh, joined by Kingsbury Factor for the first part here. And we're just going to jump right into it because uh, they have been given uh, <laughs> what's being called, quote, not the Bruder tape of college basketball. <laughs> <laughs> An eight-minute, 42-second video of, Chris, King, or of uh, uh, Chris Kingsbury going for 30 points and two assists against UConn in 1995. Yeah, and the assist before he even shot the basketball, it was unfathomable. Well, that assist from the corner. Well, well he had there. two assists. The, the first assist was the behind-the-back to settle yeah. for the dunk, I believe, uh, in it the is. first half. And what you, what you don't realize is, I mean, he scored all his points in the second half. He had, uh, I think he had four points. Half, four. Four points at halftime. And then he had 26 <laughs> points in the second half. Um, which which actually kind of speaks to the way that he plays, right? You're like, uh, he isn't doing anything, he isn't doing anything, and then all of a sudden he just, like, throws up, literally, like, just pukes out points for, <laughs> you know, periods of, of minutes, and uh, no one else touches the ball. So I, I think that in is, is, is some of the beauty of what, what you see in this game. Yeah, I, just, I don't think there's a more – perfect game uh, for that reason that he's playing this amazing UConn team and it doesn't seem to bother him. I mean, these guys are NBA athletes defending him all over the floor, wherever he is, and he certainly thought he was an NBA athlete. Uh, yes, <laughs> he did. <laughs> sure. Or professional, professional Israelis. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's like, I mean, what a stage. I mean, that's why, that's why this game I mean, it took forever to get to YouTube, but that's why it's on YouTube now is because this is a national game, and he just went off, and he, he loved it, and you can see it. He's, just, he's, like, kind of a little, like, rabid-looking at times, like, especially when he's at the line and they get these close-in shots of him. Um, and he's got this haircut. It's like it's like a bowl cut, but it's like some weird bowl from, like, a, like a Japanese restaurant that's, like, really shallow. Um, so it's only like an inch and a half of bowl tops. I think what people forget, well, A, or I guess I should just say what I forgot, having not actually seen footage of him in years, is A, he was this big dude. He was just, he's jacked. Yeah, he's jacked. And like I said, he's jacked in the early 90s, like when white guys were never jacked. You know, it was like you you look at Steve Nash from those years and he's literally wearing like the baggiest white shirt he could find. I mean, not that he's Jack now, he's like pretty anorexic, but you I mean, no no white shooting guard was was jacked like Kingsbury was back then. And the second part um what which was just so great was how just completely biased the announcers of this national <laughs> game became. <laughs> <laughs> my 
my favorite was the he loves the three point shot. Says it's better than a dunk because it's worth one more. <laughs> exactly. It's like thank you for laying out logic. <laughs> yeah. No. And then at one point when the guy just marvels, like, look at his body. It just got like weird and lustful and just sort of like sexual in a way I wasn't expecting on ESPN two. I appreciate how you guys one called out Travis Knight for having a long face. Um, <laughs> Looks like something that time. never gets brought up anymore now that it's been 17 years since he played college basketball. <laughs> he's where he was working out his deltoids, and Travis Knight was just, like, attaching one of those weights you use for your neck to his chin somehow. <laughs> yeah. And, two, let's get, let's get back to one thing we kind of skipped over there, that jump pass from the corner, oh. which is which is the epitome of Tom Davis's coaching winning out over Chris Kingsbury's instincts. <laughs> <laughs> That's he is coachable. Tom Davis play. Yes, he apparently is kind of coachable. <laughs> you could almost, you could like see the pain in his face as he made that pass. <laughs> it was like you knew that there's nothing in his body that wanted to make that pass, but it was like, like he, the coach just flipped the switch, and it was like he had to do it. Uh, which, yeah, that was infuriating on on our end, obviously, but it does look like at at some point. You know, you, you, he was going to get his two assists a game or whatever. Hey, you know what I think? It was a corner shot. He was too close. Like, that's not a Chris Kingsbury shot. Like, All right, forget this be. one. This is a yeah, free throw. Outside the line. It's, it's true. He was around, around 21 feet away, which is just kind of lame for him. Now, explain this to me because I'm still trying to figure out how it works. Um, they say that Chris Kingsbury is 6'5". And right, you, guys, you guys are very famous for 6'4 and under <laughs> being the cutoff point. So how do, how do, how do you square the circle? Right. So, uh, <laughs> man, didn't think we'd get that question today. Um, <laughs> so he it, – it really depends. And we run into this a lot. Um, you know, some places like the old Iowa uh, – the old Iowa site lists him as 6'4". Um, but, you know, a lot of the other sites list him as 6'5". So he he's right in that nether region, um, which is why we have the Iowa exception for guys who are right around 6'4", 6'5". If you're play at Iowa and you can maybe shoot threes, <laughs> we... We desperately want to put you on our list, and we'll give you the benefit of the doubt in your height. Also, you know, let's be honest, they lie in those rosters all the time. I think my, I think it said I was like 6'3", and I'm just barely 6 feet in high school. It also said I was like 240 pounds, but uh, <laughs> when I'm actually 320 pounds. Um <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's sort of how we do it. And, and the thing is, like, it, it, we run into that with, with some of our guys now. Like, if you look at Bader, uh, at Oakland, he's, he could be 6'5-ish. Um, but, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna give him the benefit of the doubt. And so we wanted to cut it off at wherever Kingsbury was, um, when we were originally creating the list. So, you know, 
the argument is there. It's it's a it's a blurred line. But like I said in the post, you know, <laughs> I hope like the entire premise of our entire blog is not based on a lie because that'll just you know <laughs> really fuck with me existentially. Uh, we will we will not suffer invalidation. There you go. Now I, I got to ask you, which of the two? There are two three point shots in here that are the epitome of Kingsbury. And you, you yep. mentioned them both in your, in your post. There's the one where he comes off the two picks and shoots from the top of the key. And there's the one where he shoots from 30 feet, like on the, the logo, like basically right next to Jim Calhoun. Right. So, which one of these is the epitome of Kingsbury? Which is the, the ultimate Kingsbury shot? Okay, go. You want to you start so I can prove you wrong. All right. I like the I like one where he comes off the screen. And when he catches the ball, he's basically already airborne, and he kind of wrenches his body around in midair. And, like, there's there's no way that, like, most guys would have caught that ball and kept, like, running out of bounds. He was running so fast. And he somehow manages to elevate and, like, with those giant pipes of his, like, pushes (laughs) the ball towards the bucket. And yet it's still, like, Four-wise, it's a perfect shot, but, like, you know, that's a shot you have to push. Like, he's coming the wrong way. That's not the way, like, most right-handed shooters want to come into their shot. And he just, he just drills it, you know? Like, it was almost too long. It was crazy. Like, I like that one. Like, it wasn't it wasn't as, like, smooth and unassuming. And I know that Montrose, like, likes shots where guys are standing on things that they pasted onto the court because that means, like, <laughs> nobody's supposed to be doing things there because you're stepping on them otherwise. Um, I don't know. That exactly. one was the one for me. I was, like, as we were watching it, we were, you know, we were chatting online, and I was, like, just go – I was, like, skip everything and go to 710 or whatever that was. And then the other one was right after it. And it was just – I mean, it was it was like a Kingsbury orgy. It was great. I, I would totally, I would totally validate that it, it was the much more difficult shot. But I would say, in terms of, if the question is quintessential Kingsbury shot, it has to be the second one. A, they're da- <laughs> they're down two in overtime. They don't need a three. Uh, it's not, and it, there was a minute forty one left. So it wasn't like an emergency situation. B, he doesn't care at all. He's standing. <laughs> 33 feet back, he gets the he, – he actually, if you watch, he, like, goes forward a little, then he stops back as if, like, he like that was the area that he felt most comfortable in, like, sitting 30 feet away from the basket, which it clearly was. He gets the ball, and he shoots in rhythm from there, like, like as if it was, like, obviously I'm going to shoot from an area of the court that, like, people don't even make long chest passes from. And <laughs> so I, and I think that that's why it has to be the quintessential Kingsbury because it's that, like he shoots that shot with no conscious in a down two in an overtime nationally televised game, whereas like the other one sort of seemed like an emergency shot that he needed to do that was just sort of more more impressive in its technical skill, but less sort of descriptive of the of the man that Kingsbury was when he was shooting those sort of shots. Yeah, I think the long one has to be the quintessential Kingsbury because that that's what he was in my mind still to this day is just bombing them as soon as he crossed midcourt. So Yeah, I mean it that's that's why I 
I want to say fell in love with him because that sounds weird. But that's why I fell in love with him. It's like you, you just these shots that you can't even fathom someone thinks are appropriate in like a game of basketball that's not in some sort of like Indiana rec league. <laughs> now we all know how Chris was off the court. In fact, your guys' story from Doug Gottlieb that he wore 14 because his favorite drink was seven and seven <laughs> is my is my favorite story maybe ever. Um, I tell it to everybody. But the man goes the man goes for 30 points and two assists against UConn. What does he do after the game? Montrose, you can go first. <laughs> well. The speculation, it, it wasn't this game where he allegedly went into the Sheridan and pee all over the lobby, um, <laughs> which was what someone told me. I, I don't think it was this game, because I think that was actually, uh, that was somewhere else. But if he didn't do that, he probably just did what he normally does, which is buy, like, three cartons of Marlboro Reds. <laughs> and <laughs> like you know, six six liters of Granddad whiskey or old Granddad. Actually, maybe probably Canadian club. The Canadian club because it's cheaper. Or Yukon Jack. And uh, it's really sad that I can just name like all the cheapest whiskeys. And just, just sat by himself in the corner until he had to use the men's room, and then definitely didn't use the men's room and went into someone's. <laughs> Of ground pool. <laughs> I'm pretty sure um, that, that has to be what he did, right? <laughs> Neon, can you can you quibble with any of that? Uh, no, no, I none of none of that is quibbleable. Uh, something <laughs> I don't even know if we mentioned this in the post. Like the the excitement over just the Kingsburyness may have gotten to us a little bit, but this was actually at the Great Alaska Shootout. This game, yes. So I am more than a thousand percent sure that he went out and banged Sarah Palin that night. <laughs> I don't know if Glenn Rice was involved. I don't know all the details, but like, oh my god, on. can you imagine? Maybe that's what he wants. That's a, that's entirely feasible, I actually think. In 1994, 95. Yes, yeah, you hauled him down. It was a haul down. <laughs> she just hooked up with Glenn Rice. Oh my yeah. gosh! I, I, you know what? That makes a lot of sense now that you mentioned it. I hadn't really thought about Sarah Palin getting involved in this. I know. Oh god! Uh, we haven't seen you guys yet this year. Who should we be watching? Who's on the list this year for the Kingsbury Factor? Well, so uh, actually, there, we're going to have a new top twenty releasing um, end of this week. Uh, so. There'll be there'll be some updates, there'll be some changes, but uh, our our new sort of guy that we were interested in, especially at the start of the year, he kind of came out of nowhere. It was this guy Parker Smith from North yeah. Florida, uh, who who shocked the world, but mostly our world because we were the only ones who care. Like coming in at, at at number one, he's like this randomly in unbelievably skinny. 6'2 guy who just, you know, made 11 threes in the game last year, but no one told us about it because North Florida, we didn't even realize, was a Division One basketball team. Um, 
So there's that guy. I mean, you know, we've got you've got some of the the usual suspects like Rodney Clark. I mean, Rodney Clark being on Butler now is like the greatest thing that's ever happened to our blog because he <laughs> rather than being in the SEC and being chased around like by these long like more athletic guys, he's now in whatever league Butler is in. Are they even, are they in the A10 now? What are they in? I think they're in the A10 now. Yeah. 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 So he, I mean, he's slightly better for him, and uh, he seems to be surrounded with, with a good crew. And that Indiana game, I mean, he's had an Indiana game, the Marquette game, and uh, the North Carolina game all nationally televised where he's sort of gone off. So uh, Rodney, I mean, Jordy, Jordy Hall's on Indiana a little bit. Um, Travis Bader, like we like to say. There's some guys in, like, the Patriot League and I mean, the Ivy League. Yeah, if, you're, that we could, if you guys have any West Coast listeners, uh, you get a bunch of Della Vadova, St. Mary's games. We recently – this is the first year we've let in Australians. Uh, we've yeah, we're letting in Australians. That's, that's a new thing. Oh, yeah, we're really broadening then. We're, yeah, we're overlooking their criminal past, um, <laughs> which was a little bit of a, an issue for us. I mean, we let in Canadians – now we're letting in Australians. We're still not letting English people in because never. We <laughs> we only really know one. Isn't Lul Dang English? I can't <laughs> yeah, even name yeah, another. Well, Gabe yeah. Gabe Olasani from Iowa is English. Is he? Yeah, he's from London. Oh man, but he's yeah. too tall, right? Sorry. But oh, he's he's six eleven. Yeah, no, yeah. He's, he, yeah, you can't use him. Also, he has no offensive basketball skills whatsoever. Right. Those are the only two issues with him. <laughs> yeah. Aside from that, he's perfect for you. Yeah. No, I mean, he will put us in a tough spot. <laughs> but, I mean, in terms of uh, who just had a big game on Iowa that we were just talking about? Um, no, Gisele. Gisele. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Gisell finally went off. I mean, like, obviously he's a freshman, so not finally, but, uh, yeah, that was that – was, it's exactly what we need to see from him. And, like, I mean, I think it's going to bump him up into the top 20, a little teaser maybe uh-huh. um, on the string. Because he was shooting around, like, 33 34% before that, which is definitely a little low for us, even for, you know, and any Iowa exceptions that we can create on the fly. But Well, he's just got to he's got to make more threes a game. He's averaging, like, 1.1 yeah. make a game. Uh I mean, Kingsbury was averaging in his heyday, you know, 3.6 to 4 makes a game. Um, you know, to get in the blog, you really have to be around two makes. Uh, but what happened to Olavi? I mean, did he just fall off? Why, has he just – did he break he one of his arms and still shoot? Yeah, he looks terrible during games. I mean, he's uh, – I don't know if it's just lack of confidence or what – I. The only time he had a legitimate half was against Iowa State, and apparently that was only after McCaffrey read him the riot act at halftime. Um, uh, Oglesby said it was the loudest he'd ever been yelled at in his life. McCaffrey said, "I quote, I challenged him. <laughs> <laughs> Very subtle. Yes, exactly. Uh, well, maybe he needs that. Well, yeah, he had a great half, but that was it. I mean, I really hasn't seen a whole lot other than that. And that's disappointing because yeah, after the end of the year, where he really he really went off. I mean, we we had we had such high expectations, and and 
and we're hoping that they they get fulfilled at some point, but they ain't there yet. <laughs> no, they really aren't. All right, boys, well, we'll let you go. I know you got wives and children to feed. And we've Only one of us. We do. <laughs> Mostly with the 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 had supported money from our blog. So yeah, I'll bet. <laughs> <laughs> We want to thank you all for coming on and remind everybody they can catch you at Kingsbury Factors if they are already reading you. Thanks, guys. Uh, thanks, guys, so much. We'll talk to you guys soon. All right. Let's do this. Scotch. You are a classy man. And I appreciate that. <laughs> so, uh, bowl games, huh? Yeah. Do we get to talk online? Are you doing yeah. the podcast? Yeah, we're, we're recording right now. Oh, my God. I'm so excited right now. Tell me when I get to start. Tell me when you're ready. Oh, we're, I, I'm ready right now. God, this is so exciting. All right. So tell me first, what do you think the Big Ten will go in bowl games? Um, I, I think they're going to win two. Which ones? I think Michigan State's going to win. I know it makes no sense. Right. Obviously. But I, I think Michigan State is going to win. Okay. And and I think Northwestern's going to win. Yeah, the Northwestern game is looking really good, especially because they can run the ball. Uh, yes. Apparently. I believe they're playing a Mississippi State team that can't stop the run. Um, That's true. And, I mean, we're talking about option, triple option, shovel passes, multiple, I mean, you know, talent is such a strong word for a Northwestern team. But <laughs> multiple individuals who have proved themselves capable. And yes. So, so I would take it. I'll take that one. That's our number one. But it is depressing that in every single game, I looked this up today, we are not favored. We are the underdog. Every single game. Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> Ross, you there? Yes. He's back. I don't know what's up with your connection tonight. My wireless is back in all kinds of crappy, so I apologize if I disappear. Ross, we're on with Graham. We're talking hey, about bowl games. Hola. Bowl games? What are those, Pat? I don't I don't understand. Yes, I know. It's a thing where you go and you play inside a, a glorified bowl. Fascinating. Sometimes full of roses. Or taxlayer.coms. Or uh, beef, beef Brady's. Is there a favorite, like, horrible, um, horrible bowl name of the year? I think Beefo Brady's has to be up there every time because it sounds just completely unappetizing. <laughs> it sounds like, you know, like, um, you know, diarrhea. I do enjoy the Belk Bowl. Yeah, that's really It sounds bad. like a euphemism for something that uh, I really don't want to even consider. Right, I know. We did the Belk last night. You did what? Oh, my God. <laughs> I belked her. Um, I believe it. I haven't done I, that since the 70s. <laughs> I still miss the gallaryfurniture.com bowl. It just hasn't been the same without that one. I always thought the Citrus Bowl was well-named. It sounded fun. Yes. In fact, I still use that name. Is there still I the... Uh, 
The pool used to refer to it as Capital One. The Poulon Weed Eater Bowl or whatever that one. Oh yeah, yeah, Weed Eater was great. The Blue Bonnet Bowl had a nice touch of classiness, you know. Yes, it did. Iowa played in that one, didn't they? Once upon a time. Homoeroticism. <laughs> it's um, anyway. Anyway, um, the Bridgeport Education Holiday Bowl. There's never anybody involved in it. Ross, uh, I just said I think that we're going to have two uh, bowl wins out of the Big Ten. Uh, how many do you do you expect the Big Ten to win? I'll say one. Which one would that be? Um, I feel pretty good about um, not Purdue. No, you do not. Michigan no, State. No, you don't feel good about That's Purdue. That's the one I feel decent about. Yeah, it was my pick, too. No, I'm obviously, um, obviously okay with that. Yes. Um, so let, let's just look at, at the Big Ten Bowl lineup game by game. Let's see what we can come up with here. We'll start with the Beef O'Brady's Bowl, Central Florida against Big Ten Juggernaut Ball State. No, uh, they're not yet part of the conference. Sure. It's only a matter of time, but no, they're not quite here yet. Um, we open up, I believe... Am I wrong here? Do we open up on the 28th where Minnesota takes on Texas Tech? Yep. And it's, a, it's a terrible matchup. Everybody knows what's coming. Minnesota will play harder and closer than you expect, and then Texas Tech will sort of pull away and get another win over a Big Ten bowl game. I mean, that's all i got to say. I think it starts with Minnesota going up 35 nothing and then losing 42-35 <laughs> because that's what happens when Minnesota plays Texas Tech at bowl games. Now, is Cliff Kingsbury coaching in this game, or is he is he not there yet? Yeah, I don't think he's there yet. They lost their two I, top coaches, which uh, Ted on OT pointed out is going to be an issue. It will be. Uh, that's that's a that's a tough thing for any team to overcome, especially when that coach is Tommy Tuberville, <laughs> because your players have now been filled with just a sense of dread and and fear. That, that you really can't get around by just removing him from the equation. Right. He's like the Mallory Archer of coaches. <laughs> uh, congratulations, Cincinnati. You have the Mallory Archer of coaches. <laughs> Graham, how do you see that? What, what's your final on that one? How do you, how do you see that one playing out? I know you it said. This plays out like your standard Texas Tech versus the Big Ten, 42 to 28. Ross, what do you think? I will say about 38-17, and I'm just sad this is the last time we're ever going to get to see Marquise Gray in a uh, in a gopher uniform. Do they still have Heyo Carpenter? Heyo. <laughs> or is he gone? I don't. Because he was always my favorite because Tim Brewster wanted to make him out to be the greatest thing that's ever happened to football. And I think in his, in his time there, he caught about uh, a pass. What's Tim Brewster? Yes, indeed. He's he's the head coach of Illinois. <laughs> um, I I, I kind of like Minnesota in this game because I think there are some Texas Tech issues with them not having a, an actual head coach, um, but not enough for, to, to pick them to win. I will say Texas right. Tech at uh, twenty-eight to twenty-four. Okay. Um, next one up. TCU, Michigan State, Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl, formerly known as the Insight Bowl, and then we realized that there was no more insight left in college football. I really appreciate you bringing up the State Bowl. I did a nice little hashtag, which was from BCS 
to BW3s. I like that. <laughs> I wow. like that a lot. But I feel these are two teams that are that are used to playing BCS or at least near BCS games. Well, the, you remember the, something much less than that. The expectations were off the charts, um, and everybody, you know, glossed over the tremendous, you know, talent that had left and leadership that had left, and then the fact that there's the no quarterback tre- that had left. There's no Treadwell. You know, Treadwell was the key to those old teams. Yes. Well, he and Kirk Cousins. Yeah. So I'm okay with a. Uh, I, you know, it goes either way. Michigan State's a three-point underdog, or 2.5, or whatever it is, and it doesn't really matter to me either way. Ross, what do you think? I like the Sparty defense in this one for some reason. I don't, I don't expect the Sparty offense to score more than about 14 points, but right. I feel like that might actually be enough to win this game. Yeah. It you could know, be very low scoring. I, I am a little bit worried that. This feels a lot like the homeless man's version of the TCU-Wisconsin Rose Bowl game where there isn't a whole lot of offense beyond between the tackles, and TCU seems geared to be able to handle that. Right. Um, you have a very nice quarterback, TCU. I mean, I'm sure he's mistake-prone as, as uh, all get out, but he's very talented. Um, uh, but Michigan State hasn't really had a problem with opposing quarterbacks. Uh, Braxton Miller probably did the best. I, I, I'm going to pick Michigan State, but I'm going to do it very closely. It's going to be about 17-14. We'll say 16-14 with a safety. Ooh. You guys are and the wild. safety is for the team with 14. Oh. <laughs> just blew my uh, mind. <laughs> Taxslayer.com, Gator Bowl. If you want to slay your taxes, go to Taxslayer.com. Uh, the first of the January 1st games involving the Big Ten. In fact, the first January 1st game of them all. Northwestern against Mississippi State. And Graham and I have already talked about this one a little bit. Uh, Ross, uh, what do you what do you think about this fine contest between um, guys who have cowbells and guys who ironically have cowbells? Clang, clang, clang. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, I mean, Northwestern really lucked out with all that shenanigans that led to whatever the Big Ten Bowl matchups ended up being because instead of just getting trounced by LSU or Georgia or someone, I mean, they got a team they could actually beat, which would be historic. I mean, literally historic because it would be their first bowl win since football was invented in 1995, if I'm not mistaken. Right, right. Um, Exactly. I don't remember the last time Mississippi State won a game, actually. I mean, I remember they were undefeated, and then Alabama took their lunch money, and I don't know if they won any games after that. So, But I I just can't – I can't pick against North, or, you know, Northwestern's bowl mojo, which is profound. So I – Wow. It is pretty awful. I expect them to lose in some epically heartbreaking, you know, onside kick, blocked punt, return for a touchdown in the final minute. You know, just right. absolutely by way, ludicrous. By the way, for our listeners, uh, Mississippi State did win their next-to-last game of the year, <laughs> and it was because they were up against John L. Smith. <laughs> what is well, that John L. Smith? Fair. He's the, the current coach of Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's, let's do Michigan next. You just slayed me. Can I talk about Michigan? Let's talk about Michigan. All right, and i I just got to be honest here. Um, one of my big problems life problems, in fact, in about 2009 through 2010, (laughs) 
is that Michigan, a school built on bruising 235-pound linebackers, all of a sudden had these little bitches running around who are injured and not talented and didn't understand the scheme. So what happened is that, um, you know, they got a new coach. They taught people how to gang tackle, and here we are with the top 15 uh, in the country defense. And so that's why I think, you know, do I want to make a prediction they win? But it's beautiful. It's beautiful to finally watch a functioning defense. And um, with that said, uh, I'm being beckoned away my, by my date for the night. And so uh, you boys have fun tonight. You got any uh, closing remarks for me? No, I don't. Man, you moved fast. Thank you. That's what she said. <laughs> Um, very very briefly give us your do you think Nebraska has a chance do you think Purdue has a chance no no no. Uh, obviously those go without saying how about Wisconsin yes absolutely they do Uh, it's a scheme it's a scheme that's gotten better as the years went on sure they struggle like in Penn State you see them get beat up between the tackles um, but uh, Penn State's a very talented team I don't know what bowl they're playing anyway um, it's it's a scheme that can work, and I know Stanford's got a top five uh, defensive line, but, you know, Wisconsin's going to run the ball with anybody. We've seen that over and over. Now, let's just hope they don't forget to run the ball. <laughs> Indeed. All right, Graham, well, hey, we'll let you roll, bud. Boys, I appreciate it. Ross, I appreciate it. Um, have right. fun tonight, and um, good luck to Iowa and their bowl. Uh, yeah, oh. thanks. Uh, Ohio State, too. <laughs> All right, see you, boys. Later. Later.